0: to Wood Talk for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who have great personalities. Mark, Matt, and Shannon.
1: Alright, welcome to Wood Talk number 248 for June 8th, 2015. On today's show we're talking about popping figured maple without warming it up, gluing face grain to edge grain, traditional turning tools versus carbide insert tools, and someone put the third thing in front of the and, and it screwed <sighs> me up because <laughs> there <laughs> and there is nothing else on this list Oh, Ron Burgundy, you're having such issues. (laughs) If it's on the
2: teleprompter, he has to read it. (laughs) Exactly. All that and more coming up,
1: but first, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor, SawStop. After more than a decade, SawStop's combination of safety and precision has made them the number one cabinet saw in North America. Use the interactive tools at SawStop.com to build and price your ideal SawStop, and then find a dealer online or near you. Protect yourself today with SawStop. SawStop. And a special thanks to Chris Petrunov, who went to woodtalkshow.com, looked over in that side column, and helped us out by clicking one of the donation links and sending us a few bucks. And if you want to do that too, we'd appreciate it. Thank you so much for all the support you guys give us throughout the year. It's always a cool thing. And there's still time, we're still uh, what in the middle of the month here, for the giveaway. So go to woodtalkshow.com slash giveaway and sign up, click a few things, touch a few things, and uh, you might win something. It'll yeah, be, preferably really cool.
2: touch things on the computer. Because yeah, not. not it, there's not other mad. things that if you touch, potentially there is legal issues with it. You
1: kind of never know what's going to happen. It's, it it could right. be scary. Yeah. All right, that's about it. Let's get into what's on the bench for me. It's been a busy day. I'm uh, moving on to the rockers now, which I think is, for the most part, the final phase, other than finishing. It's the final woodworking phase of the sculpted rocker project. So I've got the the little bending form made up and tonight after the show, after dinner, I'm going to go in and start sawing up some laminates and making the rocker. And I think for, I actually thought this project was going to take a lot longer than it did uh, but I'll be honest, I've been working days and nights on this. So I, I, maybe that I might be the say, reason I why.
3: I feel like this is the
1: longest one you've worked
3: on in a while.
1: So I think it's the one that I've been the most uh, sherry about. Not, not the woman sherry. <laughs> um, like I just made up a new word. I'm sharing it a lot. So every day I'm posting pictures of it and kind of documenting the process on social media and it's definitely not the longest guild project I've spent in total time investment. I'm actually getting this one done fairly quickly but the videos may take a little longer to to dole those out over the course of the next couple of weeks. So yeah, it actually is not as long as other projects and that's why I'm surprised. I fully expected this thing to take my entire summer, eat it, chew it, swallow it and poop it out.
2: And, you know, uh, it's funny because I seem to remember uh, a project ago, and it's funny as these projects go on. How you're like, man, this one's taking the longest. No, you said that about the last one. So maybe <laughs> what you need to do is pick a project that's going to be the shortest. That's what you sh- your goal is to make the goal for the one, one? that's going to be the shortest video ever. You're like, that's the shortest project I did coming it's up done. in
1: the, coming up in the guild. An iPad holder. <laughs> 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 I was thinking more like a toothpick. <laughs> oh, okay, a toothpick will be good. I, <laughs> actually, it'll take me even longer. Uh, so yeah, it, it is. It is a big project, and I do keep upping the bar a little bit, but I do there's gotta be an upper limit to that. I can't do projects that are like three month projects every single time. So right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so actually as this is this other project is coming to a close, I'm starting to think what what can I do next? And I want to really crank out a couple of cool projects on the free site. And it really comes down to, I know you guys probably do this too, you just look around the house and you go, all right, what do we need? and uh, so we're at this point we've got a hamper in the bathroom that's it's just too small and now with a kid who a lot of times his pajamas or clothes he'll just he likes to run around naked so um, his clothes will end up in our hamper and we just have too too much not enough room for all the clothes. Uh, so I'm going to do this sort of double wide hamper deal with two bags inside it and just, uh, I don't I don't know what I'm going to make it out of yet, but it'll be fairly light, but a good strong structure. Uh, maybe even something that wheels around. Not really sure, but um, so my mind is already at this point moving past the rocker <laughs> and onto the next project, which is surprising to me.
2: So are we going to have like some scenes in the final episodes of the rocker where you have that moment where it's like the epiphany hits you and you're like, Oh, quilted maple, because it's like quilted for the hamper. And then you'll go right back into it. And it's like one of those in the uh, pop up version of uh, the the guild build, people will have that little thing that'll pop up like VH1. And it'll say, This is where Mark had the inspiration for quilted maple in the hamper. Just like it. I'm glad you explained that because I
1: had no idea where you were going with that initially. I was thinking pop up book. Uh, (laughs) I
3: went went
2: old school on you there.
3: Oh no, the Wood Whisper pop up book. That's a good idea. It'd
1: be
2: popular with kids. That would be really, uh, that'd be a great way to introduce (laughs) kids to woodworking. There you go. All right, Matt, well, what about you? Well, for me, the big thing, actually, I should start off first by saying that uh, I have slightly not been doing a lot because my daughter this weekend left for Germany. In fact, she's in Germany right now. Uh, She texted my wife a little while ago and said that she has now been up for 32 hours straight due to the plane ride, being nervous the night before, all that good stuff. And so, um yeah, we'll find out how that goes. That's wow. going to be really interesting. My favorite part so far is she purchased a piece, she's in Berlin and she purchased a souvenir piece of the wall, which I said that came down a long time ago. Do they really have that many pieces around? <laughs> Can we verify feeling. that? <laughs> yeah, somebody's probably in the backyard breaking up like cinder blocks going, stupid Americans. Don't <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <They'll> buy anything. <laughs> Exactly. And speaking of buying anything, that's the other big thing right now is this came out a little while ago and I haven't mentioned it here on the show, but uh, maybe if people are interested and will help me to fund my daughter getting back home from Germany, (laughs) we have a (laughs) video on demand of all the bonus footage and bonus episodes that were originally available exclusively to patrons of Match Basement Workshop. You can now get those videos on demand. This is my first kind of like adventure into Something like this, and I have to tell you that I am uh, – while it has actually been up for a little while now, I still am freaking out that it's even possibly out there because I'm just waiting for somebody to come in and go, uh, this, um, this is illegal. Take it down now. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Good deal. Yeah, so that, that, that's it for me. Sorry, I had to take a drink of water there. For that was again. probably the, the most poorly timed drink of water ever. I was going to say, I can go ahead, but I don't want to like step on that there. Yeah. No, no, no I, was, I, was, I was very close to smacking my lips too. And as I, if, for those of you, if there's a little hum in the background, I don't know if you guys can hear it. I've got a fan going on because I had to close the window so that people wouldn't be distracted by my wife yelling around the, the, the uh, front yard if a bug lands on her because uh, she's out doing some yard work. Hey, Matt,
1: uh, you finally got a fan.
2: The one. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And it's a short fan just like me. uh, So, anyways, though, uh, Shannon, now what do you have going on? Your your shop has become a staging area. Is this for natural disaster planning? Is this. Well, you
3: probably remember last week I had kind of switched into DIY mode and getting just the house and ready for a house sitter and just kind of taking advantage of things. I built a, uh, I did do some woodworking, I built a valance for our. Master bathroom that immediately got covered in like polyfill and fabric. So all the woodworking was covered up. That was my foray into upholstery. Basically just to staple the crap out of fabric on the backside and then screw <laughs> it to the wall. That's how it's done. <clears throat> but uh we were we're actually got several different kind of home improvement projects that we're not doing, like higher-end contractors to deal with. Uh, new windows and stuff like that. And there's a lot of that kind of going on around the house at random places. And our downstairs, we're in a split level. We have a downstairs area that frankly we don't use very much anymore other than walking through it to get to the laundry room or get to the wood shop. Um, it's just it's a fact that you know it's just the two of us and the dog, and frankly, the driving factor is when we cut the whole cable thing. And pretty much watch everything via our computers and on our uh, tablets and things like that. Mm. Well, that's where the main TV is in the house. We just never go down there anymore because we watch stuff on other screens. Nice. Um, So we've kind of decided, we've been thinking about, you know, that right now that space is kind of going to waste. So we're just going to, we're donating a bunch of stuff and we're just going to kind of use it as a staging area for now. But there's still some home improvement stuff that needs to be done. So the staging area turned into my shop. It's kind of one of those things where once you give an inch, once once you give the wife an inch into the shop, suddenly there's like <laughs> stuff everywhere in the shop. And, you know, it's all temporary. You know, it's all going to get, you know, probably moved back. But the the um, rationalization is, well, we're going out of town next week and there's this stuff that needs to be done. So it's not like you're going to do any woodworking between now and then anyway. So, yeah, there's cardboard boxes and cheap music and all kinds of random stuff on my workbench right now. And it just kind of makes me sad because I I actually <laughs> still have a curly cherry panel for a blanket chest in the clamps. You know, there, there's that cool moment when you've glued up a panel. The cool part to me, the payoff was when you take it out of the clamps mm-hmm. and you kind of see how flat it came out, how well you did or how well you didn't do. You get to see it, you know, as one piece instead of two pieces. And I, I've been denied that that payoff. No, it's, it's under Sitting over in the corner, like giving me sad eyes, going, Look at me, take me out of the clamps. Oh man. So yeah, it's it's kinda sad, but you know, it's all right. I can get to go on vacation next week, so that's cool.
1: Nothing wrong oh, with yeah. that, you know. I yeah, think it's, it's kind of natural. I know when I when I was uh, in California and I first started my shop up, I got really greedy about that space. So we were lucky even then to have a three car garage to work with. So at first it was like, I'm going to start in the one car bay of the garage, and I don't <laughs> need much more space than that. And then it was like, ah, you know what? Maybe I'll take the I'll move over to the two car, and I'll leave the one car for just stuff, you know, like house overflow and storage. And then eventually it was like, ah, eh, it's all mine. <laughs> and like and then i get really possessive about you know anything being placed in there that is not a tool or woodworking related. Oh yeah.
3: Well, nice. since i remodeled it i'm like just, militant is the good word for it. Yeah. You know, get that out of there. I'm this I'm the soup nazi of woodshop space basically. <laughs> um and you know, bless her heart, Heather's really good about it. She respects the fact that it's, you know, it's shot but also film studio so i really can't have a bunch of extra stuff that distracts in the background. And the shop is small enough as it is. But it's one of those things where the minute you say, well, you know, we can just go ahead and put it in the shop for now, that one thing turns into eight things. You
1: break the seal and it's done. <laughs> it's over. It's starting
3: to fill up. So, yeah, um, that's all right. I will. Um, I'm I've got a one little project that I'm going to try to get filmed and get up on the site uh, before we go out of town. So I'm going to like... Dig out a little tiny corner and <laughs> and, and shoot that and, and then nice. hopefully, uh, you know, stuff won't overflow and fall into the shot from the background.
1: <laughs> yeah, nice. well, good luck with that. Yeah, Yeah, I'll be watching.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: All right, let's move into what's new. Got a couple things to share with you guys. Uh, Let's see. Did someone send this to me? I think someone shared this on Facebook. I can't remember who it was to credit them, but uh, if you're in a San Diego area, you definitely should go over to the San Diego County Fair. They have a design and wood competition and exhibit. This is a yearly thing. And it's there's some pretty amazing woodwork out there on display. So you gotta check it out. I believe it's open till July 4th and they're open pretty much every day. Um, oddly enough, a little bit of trivia. I used to live right there in Del Mar, right near the uh, the racetrack, and that was the first place I lived when I moved out to California from New Jersey. And at the time, apartment dweller, I kind of really didn't even discover my interest in woodworking and building furniture at that point. So I was, I was near so many great woodworking resources and destinations and things like this exhibit and had no idea and was just like, ah, stupid traffic in my way. I'm trying to get to like the gym or like some stupid California thing. What are all these like, guys in flannel? <laughs> it's California. <laughs>
2: yeah. What's right? going on with all these suspenders? My God. This is terrible.
1: Like this Palomar is, is over there. If I wanted to take some courses and get a little deeper into woodworking, I could have done it. And uh, yeah, didn't have any idea where I was actually at. It
2: was great. Is it me or does, it, it, you know, you're, you're having this revelation where you're talking about this. I always feel like as soon as I move away from a place, that's when I suddenly discover all the amazing things that I was missing. I'm like, are you serious? Now I have mm-hmm. to drive back to the place that I was <laughs> desperate to move from. Funny, that didn't happen with Trenton. Oh, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> <That makes sense. laughs> the, you know what? Honestly, the pizza, the, the, that's about it. Tomato pie, that's that's the only thing I miss. I mean, other than oh. family, of course, but uh, family and friends. But besides that, and that's like now the, our the
2: day – um, Our Tretton fans have now abandoned us. Thank you, Mark. That was well, 75% you know, of our all five,
1: All five of them. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're out of here.
3: I remember the last day I was in Boulder when I finally decided I need to move out of the college town and like grow up. Um, the, the last night we were there, we went out to an Italian restaurant that we always kept saying we should go to one time. Oh my God, it was so good. Of course. <laughs> it <was> like, right? <laughs> I'm like sitting there was practically shedding a tear. Cause I was like, I can't believe we're moving away from this. This was worst part was, is it was like a block from my apartment. It was in this little strip mall, but it was one of those things where once you go through the front door, you see that like it opens up into a much bigger suite, like in the back of the strip mall. Yeah. Oh my God. this so good. And I moved away the next morning. Oh,
1: oh the regrets.
2: Me. Yes. Nice. How <laughs> so many regrets? Well, hey, well, here's something you won't regret. And this came in from Marty. And he says here's an interesting interview with Peter Korn, and that's Korn with a K, regarding his latest book titled Why We Make Things. And why it matters. Now, this is on the artofmanliness.com. dot com. It's uh, I do believe they have a podcast over there. In fact, I know they do. I used to subscribe to it. I need to get myself caught back up with them. Uh, I have not had a chance to listen to this podcast yet, but uh, it sounds like something that might be pretty interesting. I'm going to check it out. OK, you should do. Well, don't do it right now because we've got a show to finish oh. up. Because there's a play button here that's
1: calling my name. I kind of want to click it. <laughs>
2: Don't click right, it. must right. just click big, button. All right. I won't click it. because it's a button
1: doesn't mean you got to click it. Fine. All right. Let's move on to our poll of the week from our good buddy Tom Iovino at Tom'sWorkbench.com. And hey, guess who's coming to the Phoenix area in July? Um, ACDC? No. Tom oh. Iavino of Tom'sWorkbench.com. Oh, same cool. Thing. Yeah. Well, yeah.
2: Pretty much, put him, yeah. Put I him in, put him a, in a, a little schoolboy
1: outfit, mm, yeah. <laughs> Fire! All right, uh, you know he's actually uh, going to come out, and we're gonna we're gonna go get some Italian food and uh, stuff ourselves on pasta and uh, bread, bread, and all kinds of Italian food things. Oh uh, yes, because when you uh.
3: think Italian
1: food, I think
3: Phoenix, Arizona.
1: No, yeah, I was, I'll tell you I what. The same thing. We found. Let me tell you. If there's a good Italian place around, I'm going to find it. There is a hole in the wall strip mall type place like you're talking about, Shannon. <laughs> Uh, around here that is fantastic. It's called Rosie's and the family's from Chicago and uh, they they just have tremendous Italian food and that's where I'm going to take Tom. So it's going to be a good time. Good stuff. Nice. Uh, and you'll yeah. never be allowed back so you might want to rethink that. Oh, that's true. He's loud. <laughs> Maybe they'll put us in the back. Can I request a special back room padded preferably? <laughs> no.
2: Have you checked with the uh, uh, your local homeowners area? Like, what is it the uh, uh, the group uh, with your where you're HRA? at? That it's okay to have him there?
1: Yeah, we do have a noise ordinance, and uh, yes, although he's you know he's competing with jet planes that go over the house. <laughs> uh, well, I don't think the jets have an opportunity about the to same. outdo him. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Well, Tom has a couple of poll questions for us. Last week, he asked, "What do you do with your woodworking magazines after you read them?" Fifty-two percent said, "Get rid of them." Blasphemy. Thirty-three percent said something else. that's not very informative but there it is Uh, second place winner is something else 6% throw them out 5% donate them to a library or a woodworking club and 4% give them to friends so I, w- I just want to know what this 33%
2: is doing. Seriously. That's I a, think what they
3: like do a 2% thing. Mm-hmm. Be like, okay, whatever. But 33%, it,
2: something It, it might be like, I remember in elementary school, there was uh, an art class where we, we would take uh, magazines and you fold them just the right way and you make like trees out of them or you make like a <laughs> snowman or you have a podcast where you review your favorite magazines or magazines you used to, used to listen to and it causes us something else of a commotion. So
3: <laughs> <laughs> See, every time I listen to a magazine, it's always a fail. It's really quiet. It's really boring. <laughs> right. I don't get a whole lot out of it.
1: All I ever hear I'm, is just I'm like, often disappointed in the audio I get from my magazine. The audio quality is really it's poor. It's terrible. All right, so this uh, the, the What do you call it? What is it, a month? Yeah, this month's
2: poll. Just pacing out here. Oh, I need or sugar. Is that, or is that week? Uh, week. Geez, what? I wow. do need sugar. I'm like, we're only doing this monthly now. Why do I keep showing up every Monday? <laughs> we
1: should <laughs> do them monthly. It's just too much. All right. Uh, Tom asked the question, where do you go for tool buying advice? So you decide it's time to buy that big bandsaw, and you want to know which brand to get and what people are saying about it. So where do you go for that tool buying advice? And hopefully there isn't a category called something else or somewhere else because that won't be very helpful when that's half of the respondents. (laughs) Well, I advised (laughs) when you're looking for a table saw, come ask me. When you're looking (laughs) for a handsaw, go ask Mark. Yep, I'm your man. Uh, way. All right, let's move into kickback. And I'll tell you what, there was a lot of kickback in the last two shows, specifically the one on uh, magazines. We got a lot of flack for for some of our opinions and uh, misstatements of facts. I guess there were a few things we got wrong, but that's why you guys are here to let us know what we got wrong. And I like that episode. To fix it. I just listened to it today. It was good. It was good. We'll do that again, the same exact one next week. Yeah. Uh, and we got, uh, let's see, we got a voicemail kickback here from Jeremiah concerning Woodworkers Journal and a not-so-great review. Oh.
0: Hey, guys. This is uh, Jeremiah from New Jersey. Uh, not too far from uh, where Mark grew up.
1: Oh, crap, we're going to lose Jeremiah now. One of those tricks. <laughs> one, one of the
0: five. Um, I sort of let you know at the magazine subscriptions um, you guys are talking about in one of the episodes recently. Um, Woodworkers Journal kind of like tied themselves at the hip with Rockler for a little while. They probably still are, I'm not sure, but um, Rockler was offering a free one-time, one-magazine subscription to uh, Woodworkers Journal for you to be able to go on there and sign up, and they send you one free magazine, and if you liked it, you could subscribe um, I got it sent to my house. I already have fine woodworking and popular woodworking, and it came to my house. I never picked up the magazine before, and it was okay. It, it was it was okay. Um, I wasn't thrilled, so I didn't subscribe. A month later, I started getting these obnoxious bills from Pop. am sorry, from uh, Woodworkers Journal. They were had like almost threatening tones. That you, you have not paid for your subscription. We sent you a magazine you have not paid for. And it was like, please uh, please submit your payment immediately. Uh, you were overdue on your bill. It was, like, really obnoxious. And uh, I wrote them a very um, uh, very uh, aggressive email back that uh, basically said, please stop contacting me, and uh, they have, after oh, about four months of that, nonsense back and forth so i i just tell everybody i know they know don't waste your money and don't waste your time um and then a lot of people i know that use rockler um got the same aggressive angry obnoxious mailers from them the same way so uh just wanted to give you an update uh just you know don't even bother with that magazine subscription so all right thanks a lot guys great show i listen to it every week take care bye bye
2: Wow! So I, I just want to say, uh, Mark and, and Shannon. I know before we went on the air, we were discussing that same exact uh, marketing strategy for more donations. Uh, <laughs> so for everybody that's listening right now, uh, there is a big brilliant man that's going to be banging on your door any second now, demanding payment.
1: Where's my money, man? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's disappointing when you hear those sort of strong arm tactics. Uh, who is it? Do you guys remember the company that sends out like a DVD? Oh woodworkers my god. of geez. America? Is it Woodworkers Guild? I don't I don't remember and I don't <laughs> want to throw anyone under the bus here yeah. but <laughs> I someone feel like says there's that. a little doubt in my head on that. I don't know. Yeah. yeah.
3: I know what you're talking about though. It was like the Columbia House oh, of Woodworkers. It might be. is it like yes.
2: Woodworkers Club of America? I think yeah, that's got to be something like that. Which is or, different or, than
1: or, WWGOA. Right. Different thing. Yeah. But yeah, it's that sort of strong arm tactic like we're going to send this to you and then we'll bill you later. And it's like, well, I didn't ask for this. Uh, You (laughs) sent it to
2: me unilaterally. Therefore, this is mine. (laughs) We sent you a one cent plastic cheap ruler uh, and you owe us. A drill (laughs) gauge
1: chart thing, right? Oh, my I got so many of those. They're great for spreading glue. I think, is it Handyman Club of America? Look, we're throwing
2: be. all these ones out of here that are probably like, these guys are like, wait, well,
1: hold on. Yeah, We've they're all, re- they're all reputable companies and yeah, we're <laughs> screwing that up. Uh, but either way, that that's disappointing and I can't stand when companies do things like that. Bummer. Uh, right so the next one here is this is actually from the website we had larry steve and drew who kind of added on to each other's comments correcting us about something with shop notes larry first says shop notes is no more it disappeared without a trace a few months ago then steve chimed in i think shop notes merged with woodsmith to form the woodsmith guild edition and the magazine's now thicker and drew clarified actually woodsmith purchased up shop notes and now they're all in one without the just without the holes to put it in a binder. And I guess that is the guild edition, which I've been seeing in my email, like them advertising it. And I'm like, why are they talking about my guild?
2: I don't understand. <laughs> right. Well, thanks for helping me to uh, get more uh, people. Thank you very right. much thanks. for the advertising. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Oh, sh- I, I now don't own don't you
3: know that Mark invented the word guild?
2: Just I also. Like hybrid woodworker.
1: I, also, I was just going to say, I also invented uh-huh. the word hybrid. These are my words, people. Back off. And he said yeah. an
2: whisperer too. A whisper, yes. yes. There Anything was never whisper.
1: whispers before Mark. <laughs> That's right.
3: Yeah. It's true. All the car dealers pay you uh, uh, a royalty for the use of
2: the word hybrid, right?
1: <laughs> yes. You get that check from Toyota. Every uh, month. Yeah. There, there's. I got to become the money whisperer somehow. So, <laughs> <laughs> all
2: right. Well, hey, we have another kickback from Oscar, and Oscar says this is an idea I thought of while listening to Serious Turtle's question about cutting mortises for door hinge plates. I used this trick while cutting a neck pocket for a bass guitar by hand. Find a flat bottom bit such as a Forstner or Brad point that has the same radius as the door hinge plate and use it to take care of the rounded corners first, then chisel off the rest as usual. A Forstner bit is definitely cheaper than a gouge and can be used with a brace bit drill if you're going the whole unpowered route. So cheers. And he also says, P.S., for what it's worth, talking about yourself in third person is a sign of narcissism. You know what, Oscar? Matt disagrees. <laughs> Mark disagrees <laughs> with Matt. What? Well, Matt <laughs> thinks that Mark sometimes isn't listening very well.
1: Uh, Mark signs.
3: You, you know, I can't, remember, I can't remember if this came in an email or actually was a comment on the post for this. But I think the best solution to this serious turtle thing came from Marilyn out in Washington. Mm-hmm. She said, um, I went to the store with a hinge and held the chisel up and found a match.
2: <laughs> hey, hey hey none of this like you know doing common something sense rational. crap it was
3: it was just the way she worded it i mean she actually started with um i took the hinge and matched
2: it it's like yeah that's kind of the easy way to do that that's so, just too easy come on yeah, yeah. don't you know that's why tell. it's three men running the show and not a woman on the show <laughs> too much common
1: sense from women
2: <laughs> all right this next kit kat kit kat kit kat kit kat oh, oh i can go no, from hungry of
3: those. yeah no kidding this comes from greg He says, hey guys, love the show. And that was all he said. Hey Kat, love the show. (laughs) I wanted to comment on using tints and lacquer. As a guitar builder, having a perfect surface under the tinted lacquer is really important if you want that glass smooth surface. Most luthiers use filler and a vinyl sealer or shellac or primer sanded perfectly flat. Sounds like a car. Also, one thing hobby luthers do for color coats is to use automotive lacquer. I should have read ahead. Boom. (laughs) Um, They use automotive lacquer, not enamel, mixed by an auto body supplier. It's acrylic, but nitrocellulose or acrylic lacquer can be used as the top coat. You can use shellac as a barrier if it makes you uncomfortable to coat nitro over acrylic. In the 60s, Fender guitars used an auto lacquer under nitro stock GM colors, actually, before going to the urethane-based setup they now use. It makes for a repeatable color should you want to match it for another product. The spray cans from auto parts stores can be used with great results on smaller projects. The Telecaster Forum, tdpri.com, has a lot of info on this type of finish. Good point, Greg. Uh, When it comes to, like, super shiny, fancy finishes, the uh, electric guitar makers out there know their stuff.
1: Automotive does too, for sure. And it's, it, the funny thing though, it's kind of like a whole other world of yeah, finishing. It's,
3: it's definitely a rabbit hole um, that you yeah. could get sucked down and before you know it, you've bought like additional tools and you have a whole room dedicated in your shop. Yeah.
1: And now you're painting your neighbor's cars and it's a whole,
3: <laughs> right. it's a whole or thing. Like
2: that or a little while ago a lister suggested maybe going to the surplus store and getting a tent and then doing it inside there which I'm still waiting for somebody to do that would be really interesting <laughs> yeah waiting for that to show up on the nightly news actually yeah. <laughs> right exactly right that. hey Matt hey Mark I've got a question for you okay I might have an answer
1: so one thing I hear a lot about when it comes to saw stop saws is that it takes a long time to change out that brake cartridge now you've had yours for a while uh-huh. And I'm curious, is it something that is a pain in the butt for you? Is it something that you just kind of get into the flow and it's a lot faster than people think it is? And by the way, we're doing a commercial for Saw Stop in case anyone didn't know. <laughs> I, oh. I
3: think I think your change of commercial voice was kind of yeah. <laughs> okay. kind of made it obvious. So curious. <laughs> you switch
1: back to Wood Talk episode one, Mark, and it yes. went from there. I, I'm curious, Matt. Uh, tell me. So uh, seriously, though, that is one of the the first complaints I hear about it, but at the same time, you're getting a great benefit for this little bit of extra work. So truthfully, in actual work terms, what does it take to swap that sucker out?
2: It doesn't take very much at all. In fact, I I did a video a little while ago, and I think if I did it in real time, and let's see, it is approximately one minute, 37 seconds, and that includes the titles at the beginning and the end of it. Now, this was a break cartridge exchange between a standard break and a dado break, So, Hmm. uh, and that one easily was just, uh, yeah, it was just under a minute or so. You pop it on, you pop it off, it goes right in place, and that included the amount of time It takes to adjust for the distance between the blade and the brake itself because you do have to actually make a slight adjustment so that it will work properly. Now, if it was a brake cartridge change due to the saw going off, it's going to take you longer probably to go change your pants than it will be for (laughs) you to actually change the brake. Uh, So on that one, uh, probably I'm going to say maybe five minutes total. But for sure, if you're just doing just a standard brake change because you're using different types of blades, uh, a minute and a half at the absolute most. uh, So it's taken care of in no time at all.
1: You know, it takes me about five minutes to change my blades, too. And I don't even have a saw stop. And you know why? Why? Because I walk around and do anything but change the blade for five minutes.
2: <laughs> I, I've been thinking about getting a second saw stop just for that reason. I need a one that's just a dedicated dado and another one that's dedicated for my standard blade because, yeah, I <laughs> I don't like putting in that effort.
1: Right. Hey, you know what's interesting? I went to pick up lumber today at uh, uh, Woodworker Source here, a local store in the Phoenix area, and noticed that they swapped out all of their saws. They had a couple of uh, table saws there. They swapped them all out for saw stops now and that's oh, as really? as of the last time i was there just a couple of weeks ago and even on their showroom floor it's all saw
2: stop now so it it's so funny going into someplace and you just see that that black table saw with the red saw stop on it and you're like oh my hard oh, not to notice that.
1: it you know and it, and i think they um you know from what i hear that they're not joking when they say they're <laughs> the number one uh cabinet saw in north america they really are selling like crazy
2: Uh, And I don't know it's an
1: it's an interesting phenomenon but good good for them.
2: I think it's definitely number one among spouses with spouses who would work
1: (laughs) right now here's this is this is a naysayer uh, commercial because I'm always curious about these things how about accidental firings of the brake cartridge I mean you're a pretty typical user of the the tool how often have you had an accidental uh, brake engage.
2: Uh, by accidental, I have never, ever had one. It's only been when I have deliberately done that, and that's when I did that for the uh, the video I did a couple of years ago with the hot dog. It, typically what's going to happen is if it's going to be fired off, hopefully it has nothing to do with your flesh, but oftentimes uh, people tend to kind of maybe get an aluminum – uh, miter gauge a little bit too close to yeah. the, uh, the blade and don't realize how close it is until it fires off. So in fact, that usually typically happens more than the old rumors about the uh, wet wood. In fact, I think that's probably if you do a little investigation, somebody got a little piece of metal, a little pinch too close.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Huh? Jeez. Well, very cool. Yeah, All right. Times. Well, well uh, just keep in mind, if you want to go to the SawStop website, you can do that sawstop.com and use that little saw builder, build your own tool and then find a dealer where you can actually go pick one up. Sounds like a good thing. Here in Phoenix, Woodworker Source, definitely a good place to get it if you're local. Uh, and of course,
2: protect yourself today with SawStop, sawstop.com. Right. All right. Or, or you can make a saw for me and send it to me so I can have two. Two would be nice, right? One permanently for for dados
1: and the other for regular thin blade cuts. That'd be great.
2: Maybe three, so that way I have two dados set up at all times.
1: Hey, hey Shannon, now you know what you can do with one your for extra room. Me to, I could set my lumber on
3: one and I could move all the cardboard boxes in the shop and set it on top of the other one.
2: <laughs> there you go. We, you need a staging area for the monster planer. So for sure, yeah, you got that That's nice true. big surface. <laughs> I could put a
3: dog bed on the third one with a the little
2: steps you. leading up to the top of it for Alex to sleep on. He would look majestic
1: on top of one He would, wouldn't he? Be like a, oh. you know, a pedestal.
2: <laughs> yes, that for a on top of the black.
1: Yes. <laughs> cool, all right, let's move on to our email. I've got one here from Robert. He says, I'm making a hall table that has a figured maple top set in a cherry frame. The aprons are also figured maple with cherry trim. I want to pop the maple and leave it light, but I want the cherry to be warm. My thought was to use boiled linseed oil over the entire project, thinking that it would pop the grain and warm the cherry without adding too much color to the maple. Now, I don't know uh, what to top coat the piece with. I like armor seal wipe on poly, but I don't want to have that color on the maple. All right, so a couple things real quick, Robert. Your, the BLO is going to be as bad, if not worse, than the armor seal in terms of the color that it's going to impart to your maple. So if you're looking to keep that maple in a fairly blonde color, you're going to want to stay away from the oils. Um, armor seal might not be so bad if you put a light coat on it, but ultimately, you know, it's it's going to bring some yellow, and over time, it's probably going to yellow a little bit more, so that may not be what you're looking for. So I think, you know, you're, you want to warm it up, right? So I think... One of the best things to do is to use a water based dye. If you use, let's say, I don't know, throwing it out there, like a cherry colored water based dye. Uh, put that over the whole project, including the cherry. It's not really going to do much to the cherry itself, but it certainly will um, change the color of the maple. And then you're going to want to sand that back. So the idea is you're letting that dye soak into the deeper pore pockets on the maple, and when you sand it back to bare wood, a lot of that dye is going to stay in those deep pore pockets, and that is part of the, the popping, I say that with air quotes, the popping process. Uh, so once you do that, you can then go to a water-based finish. Maybe something like EnduroVar is a good option. I think that that looks really good and it's easy to apply. Uh, But water-based finishes tend to keep the light color. They don't yellow as much. They're not bringing much in the way of an amber color. And the Mm -hmm. dye you've applied to the surface should have at that point given you the popping effect you're looking for in your maple. And if you put it with the water-based top coat on top, you should still have a nice visual effect. I personally don't think that's going to look as nice as a oil-based finish or even a lacquer might because you get a little bit more of that sort of just like iridescence that's just you look like some of these guitar finishes that you see that's just gorgeous. Uh, I don't know that you're going to get that as as much with the water-based But you can get pretty close if you use the dye uh, and you're good about how you sand it back and get back to raw wood. Uh, And I think that's going to be your best bet. If you go anything oil-based, you do a boiled linseed oil pre-coat or anything like that, you're going to add quite a bit of amber and yellowing to the wood. So that might not be what you're looking for. See,
3: I think Endurovar adds a fair amount of that too. I mean, I I like it. That's why I use Endurovar because it, like I just did built that shelf in Maple and it really warmed it up.
1: Yeah, it's going to warm it up a little bit, but it, unlike oil-based, it's not going to get worse over time, generally speaking. It's yeah, going to kind of be, true. it's going to be frozen in time at that point. And that's what I like about it is it, I'm hoping that the Endurovar might give you a little bit of some of what, what of that oil-based top coat might give you in terms of that iridescence and shine. Uh, but yeah, if, if it, tested it on scraps, if you don't like even the amount of color you get from the Endurovar, then back down to to something like a, you know, I don't know, polycrylic or one of those types of water-based finishes.
3: And from a dye perspective, I like Vintage Maple by Trans Tint.
1: That's a nice one. I uh, I go with general finishes water-based. Most of the time, they've got light brown, medium brown, dark brown, and I think you could probably even get cherry. There's so many different colors you can get, and they all work really well, super easy to apply, and they're pre-mixed, which is kind of nice.
2: Yeah, I like foxy brown. She was my favorite. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, Yeah.
2: <laughs> Yeah, that was good. (laughs) All right, cool. We all sat there with Robert. Do you think you you need to add any more to him? I'm drinking now. Oh, you're drinking now. Okay. (laughs) I was wondering what that long pause was in there. (laughs) Well, while you take your next sip, I'm going to move on to Richard's question. He says, Richard wrote in and he says, I make a lot of long grain cutting boards. And I recently heard that one should not treat face grain and edge grain as if they're the same thing for the purpose of gluing up strips of wood to make a panel. So let's say I have strips of walnut, say, one inch wide. Uh, we'll use that as the edge grain. And I turn them on their sides to glue them to pieces of maple, one inch thick face grain, thus giving a face to an edge. Am I asking for trouble? Well, you are, Richard, if you're using that kind of tone with me. But uh, when it comes <laughs> to the glue up, you know, the way I look at it is I, I think and maybe I'm completely wrong on this one. Really, when it comes to edge grain and face grain, they're both long grain uh, joinery. when you glue that together. It's long grain to long grain. I, My sense of the, the problem that uh, people might be describing here, it has more to do with the orientation of the actual grain itself. So uh, with the edge grain, depending on the way that you orient it, uh, you may actually have, say, the edge grain glued to a face grain. And if you're not careful about it, that what would be the the edge grain may have actually the grain, if there was to be any uh, con- constriction and expansion, it may actually go across the thickness of the board, while the other one, depending on the grain orientation, may be going across the width of the board. So it seems like... Maybe the issue that people are trying to describe here has more to do with the orientation of the actual grains themselves across the width of the board since that's where expansion and contraction is going to happen unless, of course, it's quarter sawn, in which case it goes across the thickness – so more or less, the moral of the story here is just make sure that the the when you're looking at the ends of the board, that those grains are all going in a very similar direction so that if there is going to be an expansion and contraction, it's all going to kind of go together and not like one side to side, another one across the thickness. And another thing I want to point out here is, for myself, um, I don't know, maybe it's just in the region I'm I'm in, when it comes to pieces that are as small as one inch wide, the, the wood movement is so minimal as to, like, I ignore the living daylights out of it. It means nothing to me, so I probably wouldn't worry too much about it, but... For certain, if I was concerned, I would definitely be looking at the end of those boards and going, all right, this one's going across like a smiley face. This one's going up and down like I was standing next to something. So I'm (laughs) going to orient this this way and hopefully that helps. It'd be a good
1: experiment to just like throw in a couple of edge grain pieces and the rest are all, you know, like the, the flat sawn face is presented and see if it just kind of does anything
2: weird. Yeah, I mean, like maybe you would have like little – like I, if you did that on the ends, maybe the edge grains on the very end, perhaps if it did actually have that wood movement in it, maybe you would suddenly have like – look, a little wall. Wall's <laughs> gone away. Oh, wall. Wall's gone away. Does that make sense? Yeah. No. Yeah.
1: I think no. if you're going to do I have it though, no idea what you're talking about.
2: I'm taking a drink of water while you think about that one. <laughs> there you
1: wanna? go. When you have strips like that, usually, you know, at that size, it's just a 90 degree turn to present one face or the other. And if I were doing a a face or edge grain board, I think I'd prefer going, if I have flats on boards, I'd prefer an edge grain board because that's essentially going to, when it's all done and all these pieces are now moving in unison, the whole board then becomes something of a quarter sawn board, which, which my hope would be that it would be just grand total, more stable than a total
2: flats on board. Right. I would hope. Yeah, because really, I mean, face grain and edge edge grain, they're all, yeah, long grain to long grain. It's not like you suddenly have a uh, end grain in there. That's going to be crazy because whoever makes end grain cutting boards, whatever.
1: I've seen some, no, I mean, I've seen some people do some crazy stuff with cutting boards, not realizing that you can't just orient the pieces every which way. So there's like end grain to face grain (laughs) in the same board, you know, and that's asking for trouble, certainly. Cool. Shannon, you're up. All right. This comes
3: to us from Chris. He says, I just got a shop Smith off of Craigslist for a great price and I plan on using it mostly as a lathe, <laughs> but I haven't done any turning since high school shop class over so 10 years ago. So I was wondering what your opinions would be on traditional wood turning tools versus, uh, he says easy wood tools, but we'll just say the carbide insert tools. Cause there's more than just the easy wood tool guys out there these days. Um, Th- these tools are fairly expensive versus uh, some beginner to intermediate traditional turning tools out there. As far as expense goes, which would be the bigger investment, initial investment, including tools and sharpening supplies? And what about the long term? What are the pros and cons as far as things you can do with traditional tools versus things you can't do with the carbide tools? Is there a difference in skills needed to use carbide versus traditional tools? Is that is that difference that big? So this is a kind of a show in and of itself, but I'll see what we can do here. <clears throat> um, I've used both uh, pretty substantially, but again, I am a furniture maker who turns stuff for furniture. Uh, I don't really consider myself to be a wood turner. Uh, I've done maybe maybe 10 bowls, <laughs> uh, you know, I've done a whole bunch of pens and things like that, but it's pretty much always been uh, kind of the means to the end to create a, a furniture piece. So from that perspective, these carbide tools, I think are fantastic from an initial investment. It's, I would say quite a bit lower. The, the thing is you find a greater price range for traditional gouges because there's a lot more manufacturers of it. So you've got like your, you know, Harbor freight brand, you know, I guess probably being at the bottom all the way up to really, really high-end cryogenically treated type tools. And I mean, you can a bowl gouge, a good bowl gouge is going to run you 180 to 200 dollars. Um, I think the most expensive, the most expensive of the carbide tools is probably Easy Wood Tools, and I think that is like 180 at most for like their Super Pro model. Uh, easy rougher finisher type thing so definitely they appear to be a lot more expensive but i think the the issue is is there's less manufacturers of it now there are some new manufacturers call them knockoffs if you will i think rockler's got a line i think woodcraft has a line now that are substantially cheaper um now i'm i'm always of the mindset that you get what you pay for and all carbide is not alike so i know that um easy wood tools is put a lot of thought into their carbide and the materials they use. So there's probably something going on there that makes them more durable. But the fact that you don't have to deal with a lot of sharpening stuff and, and sharpening wood turning tools is not easy. Uh, it's the whole reason that I've hung onto my Tormac as long as I have just because of the weird geometry and stuff that comes with think like a, a bowl gouge with like an Ellsworth grind on it. There's just all kinds of crazy geometry there. That's really difficult to replicate with anything other than the assorted jigs that come with that Tormac or Jet or whatever grizzly wet style sharpener. Uh, if you don't need those, frankly, you don't need any sharpening stuff because when it gets dull, you just loosen it and turn it and essentially throw it out when you're done. That's a pretty significant investment. And I think going out and buying replacement cutters – even if you just did that, it's gonna take you a while before you actually equal that investment. Mm. What a Tormex now, like six hundred bucks, yeah.
2: seven hundred dollars? Yeah, something like that. And does I'm not even sure, does that include the uh, wood turning kit that you can get for it? That might just be the machine Probably itself. Not. Highland's oh, honestly, got it for
1: six sixty five. That's a package, um, with a free hat and a magnetic light. <laughs> Oh, that's right there. Sold. <laughs> nice. does, does the light come on the hat? Because then yeah. I'm in. Yeah, Did you say Hat. I think you could put it on the hat if you want to, right?
3: So the the point being, I mean, you're talking maybe a thousand dollars in in sharpening gear. Now, granted, there's all kinds of ways to go cheaper than that, but I'm just telling you, I've tried to sharpen some of those complex grind tools. So um, sorry, nine sixty
1: five. If you pick the wood turners package, wow. The, the Tormek okay. is nine sixty five. All right, so it's easy. It's pretty safe to say you could spend
3: $1,000 to get that set up. Um, assume you could go a budget route and maybe cut that in half, but, you know, the inserts are, I should really look this up. They're not that expensive, less than huh, 10 Imagine
2: that, us talking without yeah. doing
3: a little research.
2: Well, here's the other
3: thing is I have, uh, you know, I use the Easy Rougher the most, and I've, let's see, I've had that for probably five years I have only ever replaced that cutter twice in five years, um, you know, because you you turn it, you you rotate it to get a new face, and I probably put in the the third one uh, maybe a month ago, uh, so it's lasted a long time. So definitely, you're talking about a a, a much lower investment. Now, skill wise, they are entirely different, entirely different when you use them. Um, you the the. Carbide inserts are more of a kind of a scraping tool, so you present it straight on to the work. There's no rotating of the tool and presenting and rubbing the bevel or any of that stuff. So there's little to no learning curve. Um, And, you know, I've seen this done and I know all the companies that make these tools show these things off at um, like uh, the woodworking show and stuff like that where they say, uh, um, you know, they grab a kid (laughs) out of the crowd, hand him a tool and he's turning something Right off the bat, uh, I'm getting I'm getting a message here from my uh, field correspondent. It says fifteen dollars for the inserts. Yeah. So there you go, fifteen bucks for the inserts. You could buy a lot of inserts for a thousand dollars. Somebody do can. the math on that. You could buy almost ten inserts. And especially if you're an occasional turner like me. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's probably why I've, I've I probably could have stretched that second cutter head for a lot longer. Yeah. Um, then, but let's face it. I had my year of the lathe where I built nothing but lathes for a year. (laughs) So I did a lot of turning in that year. Um, But the point is, I've taken these tools to, like, the museum before, and I've, like, handed them to some random kid, and he's turned stuff right away. There's practically no learning curve to using these things. So somebody who's just getting into turning, I think that speaks volumes, frankly. Um, You're not learning how to handle a turning tool, and there is some merit to that. But, frankly, you might decide that, eh, turning's okay, you know, I want to build more furniture and turning's kind of something that I do for my furniture. You may totally fall in love with a lathe and decide you're going to go down that rabbit hole full time. Then it makes sense to start investing in traditional tools. I don't think you'll ever regret buying one of those carbide tools. You're always going to have a need for it, even if you just use it to rough stock down, which you can do pretty quickly. There maybe are some limitations. Not maybe. There are some limitations, things that are, would be a little bit easier if you know how to handle a traditional tool. But one of those big things that used to be a real problem was a parting tool. And Easy Wood Tools just came out with a parting tool, which is actually pretty cool, actually. Um, I've been using cool. mine for a couple of months now. Um, so, you know, I was torn for this for a while. And the more I looked at it and the more I started using these carbide tools, the more I just realized for the type of turning I do, it's a no-brainer. Um, it, it, and it's really not that much more expensive. Um, you know, there there are definitely some expensive traditional gouges out there, and I think um, I, I just
1: don't think you can go wrong that way. How do you address the whole? It's not you know, it's not real turning.
2: There you go. I was just going to say, so many people get so hung up on that there, idea yeah. that it's not traditional. There's you a sentiment
1: out there for sure about that. That's kind of a problem. I
3: usually tell them that they're number one. And (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's just one of those things. That's the same thing that the guy who like emails me and says, hey, you put that bench plane down on the bench. That's wrong. You're supposed to put it on its side. Like, you know what, dude, that's fine. That's that's your opinion. And certainly I think the quote real turners out there, the guys who are really good and that's what they do, like their shop consists of maybe a bandsaw and a lathe. Yeah, I think there may be, may be some merit to that. But that attitude to me holds people back from playing with a lathe. Mm-hmm. That, that prevents people from taking the leap and trying it out. Um, I wrote a post years ago. It was titled Wood Turning is Fun Again because of tools like this. Like I got so caught up in, you know, the different tools and the different techniques and rubbing the bevel and then I'd get a catch and I'd ruin something. And I it was so nerve wracking. Matt, I think you and I talked about this in a recent show, like you were so exhausted after turning in the lathe because you're like white knuckling the tool and you're like really (laughs) tense because the slightest little error will cause a catch and ruin everything. All of that disappeared when I started using these types of tools and it was so much more fun. Like what was in my head, what I envisioned that cove and that bead to look like actually was coming out with very little effort. So, you know, that's fine. If, if you want to haters going to hate, you know, but (laughs) sorry, that that (laughs) That actually Taylor Swift. I'm, I'm glad you said that because that actually really pisses me off when I hear stuff like that, because all that does is hold people back. All that does is make people think, oh, well, I'm not a real Turner and I need to go and try to do this. And, you know, that's it's just this just there's no place for that. There's no place well, you know for what, that if- when you're trying to get people into uh, a new area of woodworking.
2: Well, if they're that into traditional wood turning, then they shouldn't be using um, a powered lathe unless it's treadle or from one yeah. of your limbs. Yeah, that's what uh, I'm gonna say. That's
3: what I'm gonna say. <laughs> you think about you know, that? Should, Yeah.
2: Well, I pedal my stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> well, you, yeah, because there's just so many people get so hung up on that like whole traditional thing. I have these moments where I'm like, I'm watching Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and I'm thinking, I wish I had a time machine, phone booth, so I could go back and pull some of these woodworkers that people go on and on about like traditional woodworking. Have them come today and. Go so um, you could use this tool or you could use that thing that you were working before and then watch them try to figure out how to get all that equipment into the phone booth to take it back to their, <laughs> their shop because you know they would do that. They'd right? be going back with the domino. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I, do like, think, I don't know how to pronounce it.
3: I, and, and I have to say this because someone's going to say it if I don't. I do think you there is a difference in the finish from a traditional turning tool to one of these carbide oh, yeah, tools. No you can get it. a better finish, uh, like no sanding whatsoever needed. But that takes a lot of skill. That takes a really sharp tool, um, and you know when you're just starting out, turning sandpaper is your best friend. You know, yes. you buy sandpaper and a lot of grits and half the fun of turning is no other aspect of woodworking. Do you sand to 15,000 grit <laughs> and that <you> know? fast, <laughs> but, Wait. but you can on a lathe, you yeah. can get an automotive finish without actually applying any finish. That's what's fun about it. You know, yep. so, well, you know, yes, maybe you won't get the same finish from an easy wood tool or whatever, all the different, I don't even know what the other brands are called. Uh, I'm trying not to make this an easy wood tool commercial Too guest. Yep, I know. Yep, Sorry. I'm gonna so, send
1: them um, a bill like uh like um yep. that woodworking magazine.
3: But you know, when I first started <laughs> when I first started turning, sandpaper saved my life, you know? I mean, you can fix anything with a little bit of sandpaper. So don't don't fight it and just just start turning. And if you decide, hey, this is a lot of fun, I wanna do more of this, you will eventually find that I need a spindle gouge or I, I want a bowl gouge or something like that, you know? Um yeah. Rant over.
1: <laughs> That's good. Good stuff. I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's good to encourage people. Whatever I, gets them success early on is what's going to keep them going
2: in the crafting. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, upcoming on the next episode of the Weekend Wood, Wood Talk, we're going to be talking about how tradition holds everybody back. <laughs> That'll go over well.
1: All right. Well, if you want to support the show, you can do so with a recurring or a one-time donation. Just go to woodtalkshow.com, look in that right-hand column and do a little clicky-clicky and we appreciate that Yeah. And also you can get a Wood Talk t-shirt at www.store.com and make sure you go and sign up for the giveaway at woodtalkshow.com slash giveaway uh, you can also leave us a review in the iTunes store just look us up and click on ratings and reviews give us that five star rating just like Goose in Colorado what about Maverick? no just Goose that's oh, what man. I was thinking. Uh, it says, best woodworking podcast out there. Shannon, Matt, and Mark have produced. Hey, you like that order, Shannon?
3: Yes, I do. All right. I'm, Shannon, I'm Matt. I'm somewhere always proof. in the middle.
1: <laughs> Matt's always <laughs> the uh, meat of our sandwich. Uh, have produced a wonderful podcast that covers many aspects of woodworking from beginner to advanced each approaches the subject from a different perspective and the witty banter is extremely funny when new episodes arrive it's always at the top of my list to listen to keep up the great work well thanks so much for that Goose say hi to Maverick.
3: that's that's probably because you've got your podcast listed in reverse alphabetical order
2: that's what it is <laughs> yeah, yeah if you change that w. the A's will be on top yeah. <laughs> perfect alright Matt how about you give him the contact info and we'll get out of here All right, hey folks, do you have a comment, a question, a topic suggestion, or do you want to make sure that we have the right mailing address so we can make sure that you can pay us for what you owe us for listening to this show because you haven't made that donation yet because you've been listening for so long uh, we'll make sure that Guido is knocking at the door. No offense to any Guido out there. Uh, So you have several different ways to contact us. Leave us a voicemail on Skype. Our username is WoodTalkOnline. Call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180. Email us at kickback at woodtalkshow.com or leave us a comment on our WoodTalk Facebook page. And if you're looking for the show notes or downloads from today's show or previous episodes, you're going to find those over at woodtalkshow.com. And I want to remind people. Once again, I know I did this not too long ago. The three of us, we have our own websites. You might not be aware of that. There's Mark over at the... Oh, let me do this in Goose's order. There's Shannon over at (laughs) RenaissanceWoodworker.com. There's Matt at Matt'sBasementWorkshop.com. And we'll talk to you next week, folks. Oh, I'm just kidding. Actually, there's (laughs) Matt at the
1: (laughs) What a turd. (laughs) All right. well, thanks (laughs) for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time. See ya. See ya.